Welcome back to Two Drop Teachers and a Microphone! Whoa! That is the energy as they say. I'm trying to be the energy, man. You are, brother. You just did. That was serious energy. <laughs> Let me know if it's ever too much because, like, there's this moment no, no. I while out where you're like, okay. No, no, that's, <laughs> I love that. Like, I, I, I feel like after someone wiles out like that, the, the other part has to be like, well, good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> I, I am very terrible, actually, but it's kind of like <laughs> the most loaded question in global culture today. How are you? How are oh. you? Yeah, you're like, um, I don't know. Like, I, uh, so... Yeah, how do you answer this question? Um, I well, I just got my hair cut, and yep. so I, I went to the barber shop. Shout out to the House of Hair. House of Hair, they got to sponsor us, man. They're making you look good all the time. They, uh, they, 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 they are the greatest. They are the greatest. There you go. Um, but so I walked in there, and I was talking to one of the barbers, and he was like, "How you doing?" And I was like, "You know, um, above ground." You know, and he gave me a, a, another, he's like, every day where that dirt isn't in your mouth is a good day, right? <laughs> this is so true. So we don't got that dirt in our mouths. But uh, th so I guess that's how I answer right now. I have a job and I yep. haven't died. Yep. Um, so like- Haven't been sick. Yeah, I haven't been sick. So, you know, I'm rolling with it. So that's how I answer it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. But it's funny that you said you're like, I, you have that energy, but you're like, I'm terrible. Because like, remember one of our colleagues in our meeting on, uh, I think it was either Wednesday or Monday or Tuesday. Well, on Monday, I think it was, was like, um, you know, I want to laugh, but I feel like I'm laughing, but I feel like I want to cry. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And then that's when I was like, well, you know, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Like, yeah. You can so, do both. so I feel like that, that, that was a mode for, um, 2020 most of it so hopefully yeah. we'll get to grow out of it yeah. you know but uh i mean we're off to a flying start right in flying start <laughs> flying start it's it's, start, uh, which we'll get to in just a little bit um yeah no i you know when people ask me how i'm doing i will say well if it's somebody i don't like care to talk to and there's a lot of those these days um i'm just like well you know living the dream <laughs> ltd Dream LTD, that's what it stands for. Um, you know, and yeah, like to to also quote um, our friend, our mutual friend Haley. You know, employed, haven't experienced a furlough day, haven't experienced um, haven't experienced significant loss. I'm like that's, that's that's a terrible thing to say. I was going to say significant loss in my family, which would imply <laughs> that there's been insignificant losses. Insignificant loss <laughs> of my family, you know. So have not have not experienced loss. I did have COVID, but not as bad as what a lot of people got. Yes. Um, and goodness. You know, and so I can be here. I can provide my my kid with the resources she needs to try to engage in what's being called very liberally school right now yes and um, yes and i and i get to be here with my pets so so you know it could be a lot worse for real yes um, yes if you are a first time listener i think you're i think you're gonna get some real talk today um real talk from uh kevin and myself um but before we do that if you want to follow us um follow us on instagram and twitter at two dope teachers you can like us on facebook facebook.com slash two dope teachers and a mic and you can also send us an email if you have show ideas or general praise two dope teachers at gmail.com by the way um yes. if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts or spotify um particularly on apple Podcasts, go in there give us a five-star rating write a review it helps more people find our content and if you want to hate on us just send us hate through email don't mess with our ratings yes have respect yeah. for the ratings. Have respect. Put some respect on the ratings. Yeah. So yes, I mean, put some spec on it. So 2021's off to a pretty great start, wouldn't you agree? Um, you know, <laughs> it started off really calm. It, you know, we had a <laughs> for some, like four days. Some people, you know, watched watch Anderson Cooper and yeah. um and Andy Cohen get yep. wasted on New Year's <laughs> oh, Eve. Woke right. up, had a good day, you know, chatting about that. You know, we went through, we're like, there's some stuff coming. We're going to see how this electoral college stuff boils down. Yeah. And, and 
last uh, uh, Wednesday the sixth hit. Yeah, eight days and, ago. And and uh, as as we were saying, I think everything about white supremacy that we've ever thought or believed was completely reaffirmed, yeah. uh, confirmed, affirmed, argued uh, forcibly. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue against it, man. Yeah, it was it was on blatantly on display for the world to see it was pretty incredible and you know the thing that i struggle with right now is coming up with a fresh take on this like i don't have a fresh take i mean it's just kind of like i shrug and i'm like i mean what like how how are people surprised at all at all at all at all like they've said that they were going to do this and we've known that this was a possibility um for roughly four years um, as this uh, so-called president has continued to trot out these um, incendiary and baseless arguments. But it, it was sort of interesting to me. Do, like, okay, the, I, it's probably not in good fashion to like joke about this, but, yeah. um, but I'm fashionable enough. I can, I can. That's right. That's right. No, this is a joke. It's a, it's, it's a devastating joke, but it's a joke. So we yeah. can joke about it's it. It's only sort of, sort of devastating. So yeah, yeah, that's right. So like that, so stuff started to really unfold during like our lunch hour. Right. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like that's when I feel like, I feel like there was a thing that came across my news app that said hundreds are gathered in Washington, D.C. to protest. And I'm like, well, yeah, they, we knew they were going to do that. And then and then at lunch, I just happened to be like, well, I wonder what's going on. So I so I went to the news and and you see these people while in straight while in. and it, but I wasn't that it didn't like hit at that moment. You know, it was like in middle school when you're in the cafeteria and a couple of your friends are kind of messing with each other. And then before you know it, it escalates and they're like fighting and chairs are falling and tables are falling and stuff's being thrown and the, the lunch trays are like flying through the air. I feel like that's how it happened. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, look, it's a protest. Wait a minute, what is happening? And like, it was, it, it was just this sort of like out of nowhere. And I just remember it took me about an hour to realize that this was like serious. Like it, it went from zero to 60. It, they, they like to, uh, to quote um, um, Steve Carell's character in um, The Anchorman. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that escalated quickly. Wow. That was really you know, but but yeah, that's that's how it was at first. You know, you're like, OK, it's a march. They're headed down there. They're and mad. Then, we're used to seeing them mad. And before I knew it, you know, they 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 were demonstrating what I think, you know, they they've been uh, saying they've wanted to to demonstrate, right? That they're they're in control of the system, and that it's their chance to take charge, and we're going to hear them, right? Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Well, um, like, and and the first thing I thought about, you know, I always when stuff like this happens was, you know, I'm always th thinking of Malcolm's quote when JFK was assassinated, you know, and and, and to your point. Um, you know, I'm not surprised when chickens come home to roost. Yeah, you said that's what they're supposed day. to do. That's what they do. That's what, that's what they do. Yeah. Right. And so you've had this like white supremacist culture that you've been feeding and feeding and and that's just uh, you know, feels very like it's been backed into a corner, right? Mm -hmm. And that somehow it's lost opportunity and it's led by this voice, it's given this voice of Donald Trump. And we first heard it when people were like, um, you know, he says things that, that we, we could never say, you know, or that you can't say. And now I remember they were like Trump uh, 2016 or Trump 2020 F your feelings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. This stuff like yeah. somehow that like they had their voice and now we could say what we want to say. Yeah. But like, this is like the ultimate culmination of all of that. You know, and it didn't start with Trump, too. No, no, it didn't start with Trump at all. I feel like this stuff, you know, Trump is just that voice and he's the politician who's really coming out and advocating for it. And he never even I don't even think understands. I, well, I think he understands. I think he deeply understands right. what he's right. saying. Right. Right. 
but like it's activating things for people that they believe deeply. And that's why you see like all of these militia groups that we had thought we had kind of dealt with, right. Right. Reemerging. And they want to like, like hang Mike Pence. (laughs) That was, that was pretty wild. Like, and and that's where I think, so what's interesting to me about this whole thing. So I was listening to uh, the 538 podcast today. uh, Yeah. And they, they, this is from a few days ago, but they did an episode called what led to the events on the, the attack on the Capitol. And one thing they were sort of talking about is that there are these quarters where, um, where white working class folks are having these conversations. And, you know, it's like that thing that, you know, it's like, it's like Trump, it isn't so much that Trump is saying things that they wish they could say. Yeah. It's that Trump is saying the quiet thing out loud. That's right. right. That's right. um, And his inability to really take responsibility for this and to to just refuse to see that words can be incendiary is is pretty, again, not shocking, um, but but pretty devastating for, you know, for for an aspiring democracy. And I've always said we're an aspiring democracy. We're not a democracy. We, We we like we talk about the protection of democracy and and really what we're seeing is so i want i want to take you through this kind of path of how all of this kind of relates back to white fragility and white supremacy yep. Yep. what you hear from these quarters particularly from these really radical trump supporters is this deep fear and resentment that they're about to lose something that they're yep. losing something and the perspective that you are losing something when someone else gains ground and prominence is the ultimate in white fragility. It centers yourself and the notion that someone else might have a message that more people resonate with is, um, is just too, too far flung. And you know, what this makes me think of too is it makes me think of Julius Stryker. Like people don't know this, that the first individual convicted in the Nuremberg trials was a journalist who was publishing stories in his newspaper that were anti-Semitic to the point that the Nuremberg jury, the panel said, no, actually this, there's a direct line that can be drawn through these written and communicated words and the mass slaughter of 6 million Jews and millions of gypsies and millions of communists. Like there's a very direct line that can be drawn here. And what I've been kind of surprised about is that we're not talking about Nuremberg and we're not talking about how speech can actually be criminalized in this way. And so that that's the part that just floors me. And, and the thing that I know is going to, so this gets to a bigger point, but you know, we're getting to this point where, um, where, where certain elements are our society. I'm not going to sit here and, and propagate false notions of um, of equivalency because there isn't equivalency. There are folks who have data and evidence, and there are folks who don't. And the That's ones right. who don't believe that they have just as equal a say. Like who was it that said um, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts? Yeah, yep. I, I don't know who said it, but but yeah, I've heard it. And maybe it was a meme. I don't know because that's where I do all my research these days. That's all right. That's 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 pretty good too. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's like you know, and and I think as I'm as I'm reflecting on a lot of things, like I'm reflecting on, reflecting on my practice. I was uh, fortunate enough to be contacted by Chalkbeat on Thursday of last week. Yeah, and I kind of spoke my piece, and then they ended up doing a whole piece just on me. I was just going to be like a paragraph, but what I kind of said was that you know, there's a line that people have been trying to draw since the civil rights movement that it will because, you know, and, and I don't have any evidence, you know, two dope nation research this because I because I, I might research it, but I might forget because I have yep. challenges. And, um, you know, so I think of, um, I think of like, th- there's even language in our union contract about controversial ideas. And there's yep. always this concern that oh, but don't talk politics in the classroom, I'm starting to wonder, A, I feel like that started during the civil rights movement because in the 30s, people were talking about collectivization and forming unions and working for the people in in the curriculum and there weren't things drawn up in contracts. And then the second thing is like, um, where do, are we defining what a political conversation is? Because if a political conversation is just a conversation about current events 
that are causing conflict, then then I'm not okay with that. Like, I don't know where that conversation is not supposed to happen or is supposed to happen. Yeah, no, I mean that that that's the great point, and I think it goes back to to our experience Thursday. You know, and as teachers, I think Thursday was the important day. Wednesday was you know where we were all just kind of processing, right? And I, I will tell you, all of this goes back to the reasons why I became a teacher. Mm. And we had a lot of conversations at great meetings and um, that I think really inspired me to really just try to put forth a lot of effort, re- remembering the words of Cornelius Minor. Yeah, the um, man. You, the man and, and thinking about his experiences on 9-11 as a teacher. Yeah. And, and, and then also thinking back to my experience, um, uh, April 20th, 1999 when Columbine happened and just saying that you know I wish that I was a teacher to help kids process and it's part of the reason why I chose to be a line for you for you right right those those things and you know and we've had these moments in our history in our building you know from the election of the president and how we handled and went through that day to other various days where you just drop it right and and you know um to the uprisings to, you know, various events, you know, yeah. many black lives taken where the kids just are like, wait, what is this? And so we're, we're all just learning it together. Right? right. And these things that happen. But again, like, I think that Thursday was the important day and it's still going on. Right. I think we can still have yeah. these conversations. Yep. And it goes back to this idea is how do we deal with these controversial issues? Right. How do we really bring it up? And like you said, how can we talk about current, current events without being political? Yeah. You can't talk about anything going on from the stock market to you know entertainment without mentioning the current context of, of politics, you, you right? Can't even talk, it, it, you can't even talk about wearing a mask in a pandemic without somebody considering it political. That's right, and, right. Uh, the kids are gonna ask you, why, mister, why, why are some people not wearing a mask, right? <laughs> I'm like, let's ask them. <laughs> let's, let's get some stories, you know? No, I think you're right. And, and I think too, that when, when I think about why I became a teacher, um, I think about, I, I, for me, the real, moments were going to manual high school in the early 90s when our community was just being rocked with violence and you know how do we how do we create an environment that is healing broken souls and broken spirits um and maybe maybe school can do that you know i mean i think that's the thing is that you know i think i think a lot of us teachers of color particularly those of us who bring a critical lens to things are often accused of hating America and yep. you know being pessimistic and being all these not, not wanting a dialogue, not, not wanting, wanting to hear dialogue, the other side, just wanting to call people out. And you know, for me, the, and I think there's an element of some of that, but I think, especially for me, on some days, uh, <laughs> but, but <laughs> sometimes I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me. Um, That's right. But, but I think I think that you know, really, we're the ultimate in optimism. Like we really actually believe that a schoolhouse is a site for liberation and a, and a site for healing. And, you know, that's a pretty audacious belief to hold. But, you know, for me, it was when I first saw the documentary from the Chicano movement series, Taking Back the Schools yep. and learning about uh, Sal Castro, uh, rest in peace. Yes. Um, my like Chicano grandpa that I never knew, that never knew me um, and how he stepped into the classroom and, his stepping into the classroom as a Mexican-American male who had witnessed the Zoot Suit riots, whose father had been deported as part of the repatriation movement in the, in the, uh, in the, in the 30s, and who also um, had family members who were part of the Bracero program in the 60s. You know, Castro's existence was political. And, yep. and when the kids saw him, they're like, and so that was the thing. And, and when he breaks down in tears, talking about how beautiful it was to see his kids walk out in protest of the oppression in the schools, um, I was yep. like, I want to I want to be in a place where a kid can stand up and and be heard and acknowledged. And um, and, you know, 9-11 was big for me, too. Um, were you, te- was, you were teaching then. I was teaching. I was I was in my second year. Yeah. And for me, it was like. 
I, I knew what the reaction was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, um, I had been friends with students of color at CU and, yep. um, yep. and so I had learned about concepts like Islamophobia and xenophobia. And so mm-hmm. my first thought was kind of like, man, they're going to come after some people in our community. And, um, but it was also the second experience that I had, the first experience I had, sorry, not the second, first experience I had with, okay, the curriculum is one thing, but there's a moment that is happening and the students are looking to you. They don't even know what they want from you, uh, but they want it to be acknowledged. And um, and I remember a lot of conversations that day, but I got a shout out to Doris Dempsey for teaching me that, that, you know. Shout out to Doris Dempsey. Yeah. So the pre- when they bring the darkness, you bring the light. Yeah, exactly. So the, pre- the previous year, I was, a, I was a first year teacher and I was trying to like, I was trying to creatively make an argument for why I should be able to take my Spanish class to the Denver March powwow on a field yes. we had an yes. administration that was like, you have to link it to standards. You have to do this kind of thing. And Doris just shrugged and said, I don't know. There's some things kids just need to experience. And maybe it That's doesn't right. fit nicely into the curriculum. Maybe you can't, you know, she's like, so if you can make it fit cool, it'll, it'll be more likely they'll say yes. But there's some things that kids just need to need to be a part of. And interestingly, that's what's carried me the last few days of teaching is saying, you know what? I know that I'm feeling pressure to get to AP curriculum. However, at the same time, um, there are certain things kids just need to be able to talk about. There are certain moments when we need to not just accept dialogue, because I'm seeing this a lot on social media when kids are like, when teachers are like, well, I asked people if they wanted to talk about it and they said no. And so we moved on. And, I, and so I've come to this point where I'm demanding dialogue. I'm like, let's, let's talk about this real quick. I think yeah. we need to talk about this. And if you just listen, that's cool. But I'm going to ask you all to put something in this Pear Deck slide and I'm going to share stuff. It's anonymous. And they all had something really impactful to say. And so like, I think we need to get to that point where as public intellectuals, we are demanding that there be, be dialogue, not just allowing it because what in front of a bunch of like cameras that are off and, you know, mics that are muted, you know? Yep. Um, yep. Hey, I got a question as a history yeah. teacher, because yeah. I think like this is an important moment because like there's there's perspective on the statements that are made, but people are like, um, they're like the events last Wednesday were so un-American and, and, and against Ooh. who we are as Ooh. a country. What are your thoughts about those types of statements? Brother, what do you think my thoughts are on that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's I'll so you, un-American. I'll give, it's, I'll give like, you short, yeah, I'll give you a short like, answer. Go and ahead. Then, and then I'll let you speak to a little bit. So my, my short answer is that this is utterly American. Like, <laughs> you know, we've, we've seen, so in, so if we're looking for like one-to-one comparisons, right? Like, like the Boston Tea Party was a whole bunch of destroying of property. It was a whole bunch of jumping on a ship that didn't belong to you. That's right. That some businessman was going (laughs) to sell and make a profit off of and throwing it into the ocean, thereby ruining their product. Like, so there's one-to-one comparisons. Then there's also, so when I hear people say, this is just un-American, I'm curious as to what they are talking about. Yes. Part of this is un-American because there's an element of, protests and freedom of expression that I think is very American. Yep. Yeah. The way those things are dealt with by law enforcement is not equitable. Yep. <laughs> We're going to be there. Yeah. Yep. Um, but when we talk about like these, these perceived threats to our, our elected officials, um, our democratically elected <laughs> officials, the hand wringing just blows my mind. And actually, you know what I, you know what I taught about on Thursday? Yeah. I taught about Allende. Yes. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, you know, elected officials shouldn't have to feel, you know, fearful that they're going to be killed for making making decisions that are part of their job. Let me tell you what happened in Chile. And let me tell you how the Chilean army actually had the capacity to carry this out. They didn't do it by themselves, y'all. But what do you think, brother? I want to know what you think about this, this, this most un-American of acts that took oh, place so in our nation's capital. Well, first of all, like, I was just like, I love your points and I love going back to, you know, like thinking about it. And I think a lot of people said, oh yeah, it's part of the tradition to rise up and break right. some stuff. Right. And it goes back when we, and we love to roam and why they call themselves patriots. Right. Yeah. But again, I think it's also very American in this way that it's a, a majority of white men, <laughs> right. Leading this movement. 
that yeah. and like you said before that they feel like something's been taken from them something that they are granted that That's they right. have imminent domain to right that that manifest destiny we should be controlling this to the point that we have the right to go into the capital and override That's any right. rules and this is what I discovered too. I, I was like, okay, rules really are rules and laws are only for uh, BIPOC people, uh, right? Period. That's period. it. That's it. That's it. I mean, you That's and it. I, in the last couple of years, you and I have seen fire hoses turned on protesters at Standing Rock um, due to a violation of a tribal agreement. We have watched black and brown people get brutalized um for standing i mean you know the the what was which demonstration was it this summer where within like half an hour um tear gas was deployed against protesters in denver and and these were people who were carrying signs and being loud That's yes like what yes doing. yes yes yeah and, and and so like again like this this oh this is ours we can take this we can break this we can stop the vote we can disenfranchise, we can systematically use, try to use the constitution yep. to disenfranchise black voters, yep. right? Because that was their plan to be like, look, and, and brown voters, you know, yep. to start and say, Arizona, we don't trust what went on there, yep. right? Because how could this, and, and to them, again, it's the ultimate fear of the white supremacist, right? A Joe Biden campaign with Kamala Harris as the vice president right. that's built on a coalition of uh, moderate white people and uh, black people and brown people yeah. and women, you know, of all shades led by black women to drive yeah. this idea. And then you throw the final, final dart yeah. and you tell them Georgia has elected Georgia, a president as a blue state when we thought we were so sure. And then we elect two Democratic senators, a black, the first black senator in the the state of Georgia. We have to acknowledge this. And the first Jewish senator in the state of Georgia. (laughs) Are you kidding me? What we know is what we didn't have. what, what, What we had was not a red state. What we had was a was a voter obstruction state. That's right. That's right. And, <laughs> no. and so, but but the bigger picture going back suppression. That's is right. that that had fallen apart, right? And so, if it's falling apart in Georgia, they know yep. it's going to fall apart in Alabama. They yep. know it's going to fall apart in Mississippi. Yep. They know that uh, they're fearful that these coalitions are going to continue to build. Well, right? Texas is increasingly in play on the national stage, and you know if if one party if, if the you know and, and i'm not speaking from a partisan perspective yeah no like, no you know, yeah, I'm, an, I'm an independent um but if the republican party loses control of texas it's it's game over baby it's game and, over. and this is their fear and it goes back to white supremacy right like it's yeah. their fear and so they're willing to wreck the system they are because this and this is what they're going to continue to claim is yeah. that voting is flawed because they yep. can't because they're losing their ability to win Yep. and manipulate the system to yeah. win, yeah. right? And, and this is why they were so willing to be like, oh, yeah, it's just wrong. It's just yeah. wrong. Well, the, the, the gaslighting um, leading up to and following the election was pretty incredible when, you know, and, and, and Trump and other white supremacists have had this pattern of, they talk about predominantly black cities in a certain way. That's right. Like, remember his battle with Elijah Cummings over Baltimore and what That's he right. saying about Baltimore, things he said about LA, things that he said about Atlanta and Philadelphia and you know Chicago and these places. And so all the of- The list that, goes on list again goes on. and again to quote uh, my man, 40 water. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean it's, it's so so that's the interesting thing and I think as I think as educators and as history teachers it's important to contextualize this stuff like we're a country that still has not had voter turnout has not had enough people with the right to vote and we know that we are living in a country defined by poll taxes, literacy tests, English tests um and all of these barriers to keep People of color and also poor white people from voting. Yep. Um, yep. All the way up to why do you why do you think white elected officials 
don't want to have elections on the weekend. Why do you think Congress can't seem to make election day a national holiday so you can go and vote? Why do we think that is? And it's because of exactly what happened in the 2020 presidential election when black people vote they show how important they are to this country um that they can that's they can right swing an election um and i and i really believe that's what happened and now we have white supremacy out here losing its damn mind yeah yeah just going <laughs> wild it's like what was up like they were putting on costumes culturally appropriating white people i don't every even culture know some of these possible. were and, and like, you know what and, and you know what's good you know i don't know man I'm just waiting for Halloween 2021 when some teachers <laughs> with a really poor judgment are going to like dress like like some of those people. And it's just like not going to be great. And, you know, the amazing thing, too, is that you hear them talking about this principle of civil disobedience, but yes. then also talking about this like injustice of being arrested. And I'm like, so I don't think you know what civil disobedience is. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, you're supposed to, my guy who was complaining that he's not getting organic food and on a hunger yeah, strike, it was uh, like, yeah. bro, bro. And, and But here's the ironic part too, is when they were like, when 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 I was watching people on Fox News being like, okay, that's, 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 they're not reacting the same way to, they did to the protest in the yeah. summer. Like, their point like was, um, um, uh, that's, this is kind huh. of different. Why aren't they shooting the rubber bullets? Where's well, the and, tear gas? Where's exactly. the, I think. Well, and then, and then some, I saw someone point out um, on social media, they're kind of like, we're not saying shoot them. We're saying don't shoot us. I, okay. <laughs> I, I've heard this. It's probably going to be an unpopular talk. Uh -oh, take, uh -oh. But I was saying, shoot them, shoot them. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the, like, I'm sorry if that, because that, if that was me, if that was us, if that was yeah. anybody who looked like me, my yeah. family, we know ex it wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been that close. But this isn't, it isn't wouldn't even, have happened like that, right? But man, this is, yo, but here's what I'm saying though. This isn't even a wouldn't have been. Remember what happened to the move? Um, the move. That's, they dropped a bomb in Philadelphia. Bomb in the neighborhood. Philadelphia block trying to get Mumia and his people. Like, and, God. And, and what were they doing? They were living there. They, there was they, nothing going on at that. They point. were they were Rastas. They 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 I had mean, a lot of people in a house. So they when we smoke weed, about, when we when we talk about yeah, right, when, <laughs> when we when we talk about um when we talk about like you know what would have happened to a group of BIPOC demonstrators attempting to take over Congress, we don't even need to do that. Like what happened in Rosewood? That's right. That's right. Whole if town, you even just start to around. elevate to a level. What happened to Black Wall Street? What happened to Kaepernick just because he took a knee? Oh, I know. And, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, but, that, but that's the thing is that when, when you have this culture of false victimhood, um, then, th then what you end up with is that these folks who are defending these felons who attacked the Capitol and were looking for Congress people to harm, yes. um, you have them defending them because what they have taken hook, line, and sinker makes this totally rational action. And, and you know, I think there are some things that um, that we need to address in terms of how we deal with um, white working class and poor people. Like, I get that. There are more, in, sh in, in, in sheer numbers, there are more poor white people than there are poor people of color. Not a higher percentage, but more. But you know what, man? That's not the conversation right now. That's not the, like, you don't get to go and catch wreck and do your thing, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and then, and then say, but no, we actually have some things on our minds, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. We, we have things we want to talk about. Like, why won't you listen to us? And yeah. And so, that's what gets me too. It's like, people are listening. You get to say whatever you want. You've been saying whatever you want. You, your voice is as heard. I know what your take is. I, I, I've heard it. I've heard it over and over, you know, and, 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 you know, the funny thing is, is we'll see how it all plays out now yeah. that they're arresting people and, and claiming to prosecute people and what's going to happen. Right. But again, one of my favorite things, right. Another great line that has been confirmed. <laughs> right. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention this line uh, goes to the great poet, Zach De La Roca. Oh, yes. Who, who spoke the words, 
in the song, Bulls on Parade. Some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. Oh, oh, I mean, you know. Right? Like yeah. We saw it. They were hanging out with them, letting them through. We did. Let them, hey, come on in. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. This is our team. This is the team, well, right? It, there's been an investigation, like in, in factual terms. So we're not just, this isn't just, um, this isn't just some kind of theory or educated guess. Like there have been investigations of off duty uh, law enforcement officers who participated. And, you know, this is, this is a real thing. And this is probably the thing that upsets BIPOC folks, particularly those of us who try to work in the communities the most is knowing that that the that the lines are kind of blurred um but like you say we're gonna see what happens man and it's and like if when if wednesday january 6th was revealing of um a certain um zeitgeist in american history um these days and weeks that follow will be even more revealing we're gonna take a quick break and then we will be back to complain about going back to school We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years, your engagement on social media, your downloads, and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this two dope adventure nearly five years ago. Right, Kev? Yes. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired And with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers. Patrons who join at the 2Dope level get a 2Dope Nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next five 2Dope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What? What a deal. Hey, that is, and it's signed. That's right, and it's signed. (laughs) Patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwback old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Our upcoming podcast series, The Exit Interview, featuring the brilliant Asia Lions, which highlights the stories of Black teachers who were forced out of teaching, is only possible because of our patrons. And I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, yeah, sign up for our Patreon. Like this, this is in the drop, but um, but like the eminent Cornelius Minor is offering a little incentive to the oh, next yes. Yes. five uh, two dope level patrons. So you know, it's it's Cornelius. We love get him. in, get it, get that, get that, how get dope. that book autographed. How, how dope is Cornelius Minor? He is so dope. Like I, I, I just like I, I love the brother. I, I, I don't know. It's something in the water in New York. Don't tell him because they already got big heads. But you know, oh, all them New he York, was all over Twitter, about all of them is cool about about this James Harden trade. Oh, oh, he was all over Twitter, and and he up here defending himself, saying, "Well, you know, a long time Knicks fan. You know, like I've been through it." <laughs> ah! <laughs> And well, like, that's good. You do deserve to move on. You do deserve yeah. that. You know, as a sports fan, you're like, you do deserve that. Like, I can't, yeah. I, can I live? Can I live? Well, now I'm like, now I'm frustrated because I had a golden opportunity to talk stuff to Jose about the Knicks getting pounded by my nuggets. And I did. Yes. We were, yes. We were engaged in too serious of a conversation. But uh, Jose and Cornelius, we love y'all. I just, yes. Love it, y'all, it, like, what was that Digital Underground song where, like, it, in the middle of the song, Humpty's like, 
Vanessa Williams. You're so divine. Just thought I put your name in my rhyme. <laughs> that's like that's. Do you have do you have a company? Yeah, I have not have said that. No, you're good. You're perfect. That's oh, yeah. Fine. You got your, you got your earbuds. I got the earbuds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just like out of nowhere. I'm just like Jose Wilson, dope. Cornelius Minor, dope. Please leave that out there. So, um, well, hold on, hold on. Let me. I have to. I have to get to this. Really, I've noticed. Are you all right, bro? Because this week. You have been maybe the last two weeks. You've been like I think on one in that in a mood. Yeah, um, no. yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk. Do we do. I, I think. Are we ready for Some for Harris Couch? Little little <laughs> you, bit of little bit of two dope therapy. Um, do, do you need to let it out? Do you, can, can we take man, a minute and you can oh, get to the to the root of all of this? I don't know if there's enough time or if we have enough <laughs> bandwidth to get to the root of everything. <laughs> but as my child would say, yeah, man, I've been a little bit out of pocket. <laughs> out of pocket. <laughs> I've, been, yes. I've been a little bit out of pocket lately. And it's, and it's funny because I find myself really conflicted. Like, I'm like should I apologize? And then I'm like, I ain't got to apologize to nobody. Like, That's right. I'm just, I'm going through a trauma. <laughs> I'm a grown a man. I'm a grown man. I'm going to say sorry. <laughs> I apologize to nobody. But I feel like. Except my wife. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. I don't apologize to nobody. I'm like looking around like, um, yeah, yeah. I do what I yeah. want. Um, man, you know what? You know what? It, like, so there's two things that are just destroying me right now like i'm not even gonna try to front the first thing is that we have to go back and teach hybrid um starting in the next week and a half and yep. and it's like one of those so first of all like i'm a creature of habit like why do you think i've stayed in the same school for 15 years that's like, right i just like <laughs> like did like did you so you know felonious monk right Yes. Polonius was being interviewed like by a magazine and he, and he's and he's like walking through Harlem and he stops and he leans on this lamppost and he goes, yeah, my favorite lamppost. That's it. And, and like, and I'm like, I relate to that. I relate to that. Cause I don't, I, I like to try to build things that allow me to function and be my best self. And that's why I, I don't ever leave a school. And so you can imagine this is just, this is destroying me. Like, Every, everything that, like, I don't always write lesson plans. Um, yep. That's right. You heard it here first. The 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year is not a very good lesson planner in some moments. Um, I don't always know exactly what's happening, but I know where I'm going to be, and I know how I'm going to carry myself. And I think that has really eaten away at me, like, just kind of like the, the unpredictability as we've neared this January 19th date. It's like, it's like effing with me bro and then the second part of it is um and i blame you for this actually yeah you're we about, to, we about to have a restorative conversation uh-oh um, uh-oh here we go this is how every therapy i my therapy session wasn't supposed to go like this y'all <laughs> therapists are not supposed to get accused of things um, and another thing and another thing um all right hit me with it so you a couple of years ago turned me on to the intercept Yes. <laughs> so I have been reading The Intercept religiously lately, specifically when it comes to the data around reopening schools. Yes. And it is bad, yo. It, it is it, bad. And then on the media, dropped a podcast yesterday as if it was like they knew. They know. They yo, know. this dude is not mad enough. We need to get this dude real mad. And so they did an 18-minute piece where they exposed all of the just – the bad data analysis that was done that's being used to justify opening schools. And we'll, we'll link to that podcast. I'm not going to relitigate all that stuff here. And so, man, all of that stuff is coming from this deep frustration that I like, so I'm a Capricorn. I'm very self-centered. Yes. Um, I, I would not say that, but yes. But, okay. But, but, I was going to say, you said yes, real quick, brother. Real quick. Um, and so all of this comes from this really frustrating feeling I have that no one cares. That's what it like comes from. And so, man, that, that felt kind of good to get off my chest, man. Is our audio uh, being weird? Uh, 
Yeah, well, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, are we? Oh, I was just checking. Are we recording? We are I recording. So. Wait, let me right. Yeah, we are. Yes, yes. It, I see. The I was button. not going to want to have to do that again. <laughs> but, but brother, but no, I'm glad you got that off your chest because, like, it's funny that you say that nobody cares because the song that is just running through my head is Michael Jackson. All I want to say is they don't really care about us. <laughs> right like i've been listening to that song over you because that's channel so people can see you dance that's how i feel though like it's like yeah. that that's how it feels is like people and, and and then it like you internalize you're like well if they don't care then i guess i'm, I'm just going back that's how i'm at i'm like yeah. i feel like i'm maybe a little broken down in my mind yeah but i i get what you're saying i think it's the uncertainty that that okay are we going and like before it was like, you're going to go back and then it got pushed back and then it got pushed yeah. back. And now they're not. And we're seeing the data. We're seeing we're kind of in this disparate place. And maybe the numbers are dropping in Colorado. I think our weather's been a little nicer. We have been um, in a lockdown, right? A more, yeah. um, a greater Although lockdown. We're, st we're still inside two weeks since New Year's though. So I just yeah, want to- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but that's that's the wildest thing about all of this um, as we come back and then just thinking about the whole process of it all, you know, and, and, and just like, what is it going to be like? And then the idea of like the hybrid teaching, right? It's like, yeah. how do I, how do I get around teaching kids in my room and kids online and stay safe? Right. And, and then I ask myself, well, what's the point of bringing kids back just to keep them in a room? You know, the kids actually brought that up to me. They're kind of like, so is this just going to be remote learning, but some of us are going to be in a room? And I was like, maybe. It, it might <laughs> maybe. be. I don't know. But like, I, I'm figuring, I'm trying, you know, like, I think that's what we're all doing in our building is trying to wrap our heads around how do you use this? Right. Is there a way? And I think it goes back to this idea that like you said, we want to feel comfortable, right? And and like we had gotten comfortable, it took forever to get comfortable online. And that's where we've been. And now like that's that feels somewhat comfortable. And if I could be back normal, that's the greatest, like where sure, we're all sure. there. And I know there's, well, and you know, I can close the computer. Yeah. God, I just love to be able to teach without a computer open. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, I'm trying to explore some alternative ways to do some of this stuff, like instead of just being in front of a computer like the whole time. And so I'm hoping like I, I plan to just use a bunch of stuff I was already using. I plan to use my launch pad. I plan to do Paradex. I plan to do a lot of those things. The difference will probably be two things. First, um, students will be able to ask me questions in person. Right. Yep. Um, and second, I need to keep in mind that there are kids remote, especially because I think in, in all my classes and it's not, it's in some classes less lopsided than others, but in all my classes, the, the majority of students, and in some cases, the vast majority of students are remote. And so it's just going to be really, it's like, it's just going to hit weird. Like knowing that in one class, I have 14 kids and 10 are going to be remote. And so I'll be looking at four kids but then there's like 10 other kids that I'm not looking at. And yep. it, like yeah. my, my tendency is to like, I honestly think I'm going to forget about the remote kids every now and then and be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> my bad. I, what I want to try to do is, is, is to use the technology. And luckily in our building, we have these great new line panels. It was like, I think uh, the previous administration somehow really got that one. Right. Because like, yeah. I'm thinking you put, up your Google Meet right on there so the kids can see those kids, right? Yeah. And somehow find a way to make sure the microphone can pick up as much as possible. But if the kids have their computers and headsets and earbuds, but I think it 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 is strange, right? And I guess it's it it necessities the mother of innovation. So I'm sure we have amazing uh teachers in the two dope nation, oh, no, two dope no. nation. So I'm sure yeah. there's some people doing some dope stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of it, you know, and, just, and we're going to be hearing about cool stuff, but it is, it is scary, right? I mean, it's, it's like this new thing. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that you're going to hear about any cool stuff from my quarters. Like, I think I'm just <laughs> like, seriously, I'm just going to try to maintain, I'm not going to drive myself up a wall trying to 
trying to be, you know, well, I, I know I was Colorado teacher of the year. So now I'm going to be Colorado digital teacher of the year. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not here for that because, you know, um, because honestly, this has to be sustainable in some way. And we don't know, like, so there's an outbreak and then we got to shut down again. And, and I think that's, that's right. what I'm kind of struggling with. The, the other thing that I'm kind of struggling with is the data, because I feel like, I feel like we don't, and it, and it may just be that, that the education system in Colorado simply is not funded well enough to do all of the data tracking that we need to do. So the conventional wisdom, and I think mostly accurate back in the fall, was that we really need to get adolescent kids back because the rates of depression are really, like there's some long-term dangers here. Yeah. But I, I think I have one student out of 93 who's excited about coming back. The rest of them are like, either yeah i'm coming back but i don't know if it's even worth it and then others are like yeah i'm coming back but how do i change the tool and so i think it's an interesting thing to look at because i think we're still using insights from um how's my internet connection unstable whatever um yeah you just you, you went out on my end okay well hopefully i didn't go out on my end um no but i guess what i'm saying is like is that you know, we're still using insights that may be four months out of date. And, and that strikes me as something that's kind of problematic maybe. Um, so, uh, so I, I just, I just don't know. And what I would prefer, and by the way, this is what we tweeted out. <laughs> so, so you would prefer this too. Yes, what we would prefer. <laughs> Honestly, like I am not advocating that we keep schools closed. That's yes. not the argument that I'm making. What I am saying and, and this was a point driven home on the On the Media podcast. What I am saying is that be honest with the public. Like, don't try to tell us it's safe to go back and get into all this hygiene theater and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Say to the public, listen, there will probably be some spread. It's probably going to be rough. Some people are going to get sick. Some people may even die because that's what this disease does. But the effects of staying remote are worse make that argument and then we can debate it but but they're telling us it's safe it may be safer but that doesn't make it safe and so that's the thing that i'm really struggling with but at the end of the day brother like it's it's about the kids right it's about how do we get with kids and just be there for them and kind of serve what they need no i i mean and that's my priority like like i said i my goal is to make sure that everybody first is safe, right? To, to help us be as safe as we can and what I can control yeah. in the classroom, which I think is always a priority as a teacher's is like, you know, that's a big part of our job is making sure the kids are safe and healthy and happy, right? Absolutely. And then, you know, and I think whatever else happens, but I'm with you, I ain't trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, um, I'm gonna try to keep it simple, try to keep it engaging all of that stuff. But, um, you know, I think, I think, and everybody needs to be, if you're returning, if you haven't been back in the classroom, respect, big up to all my people who, who are like, yo, I've been here the whole time. We've been doing yep. this. Our early ed folks, our early, early ed folks, folks. y'all have been the tribute in this hunger games. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so mad respect and love to y'all. But yeah. again, you know, I think just don't be too hard on yourself. And, and I think teachers, we have a tendency to be our, and this is why it's like dumb that someone was like, you know what, teachers need to be observed and evaluated Bruh. because we're all, like, I think most job. of us are our worst critics, right? Uh, uh, every day, like I'm like, well, that was horrible. I yep. could have done yep. so much better, yep. right? Yep. To the point where it's like, hey, be a little nice to yourself, buddy. Now, You're okay. For, You're for good. Most days I'm like, man, I don't even think I should be in front of kids. Like for what? real, like I'm <laughs> terrible at this. <laughs> I'm sorry. The kids just said, told you, thank you. Thank you. I, look I know. You're like, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so I mean- and but I, I, I just encourage people not to be hard on themselves and, and just know that it is what it is and we're going to continue to persevere through this stuff. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's all for me, the thing that I'm going to stay focused on is community. Um, we're not we're not going through this alone. I'm not just going through this as a teacher. My students aren't just going through this as individuals in their little uh, quarantine bubbles. Like I'm trying right. to develop a vibe within my classes. And, and I said this today to my to my classes uh, as we kind of close business. I said, you know, 
I, I feel like I'm not going to be very good at this at first. And you're probably going to feel like it's, it's hard and distracting and, and challenging, but let's all, let's all try to support each other through it because, you know, this is happening and it's probably not going to be ideal and it's probably going to be frustrating a lot. And I'm going to feel like I can't teach and you're going to feel like you can't learn and it's going to be really hard, but let's, let's try to just work through this as a community and continually connect with each other on this. And to me, that's going to be, that's going to be how I approach this. So we're going to take one more quick break before the final short segment, where we'll talk a little bit about Dr. King and the upcoming holiday and what it means in this very tense moment in history. Stay with us. As a student, how many black teachers did you have? If your answer is two or less, you are not alone. We know that black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Two Dope Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons, and me, Kevin Adams, talk with former Black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the pushout? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you would like to the interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or at email us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. I'm just going to let it keep running. Um, my internet connection is weird. Let me just make sure. Oh, okay. It's because I'm on my guest network. We're, we're going to, I think that one was fine. Um, but let's, let's record it. Um, As a student, how many black teachers did you if your have? Your answer is two or less. You are not alone. We know that black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about black teacher recruitment, Shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Two Dope Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons. Hey y'all. And me, Kevin Adams, talk with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom. If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or email us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. Hot fire. What up, y'all? We're back. About yes. to take you home. That felt good. Did that feel good to you to get some stuff off your chest? Yeah, the therapy session, you know, and I feel like we don't get to talk about it enough. Like, well, and that's the thing is that like a lot of times I'm kind of like I'm walking around with this energy, like you, like you pointed out, um, <laughs> feeling out of pocket all the time and not feeling like I can like I don't want to talk to people about it, not because I don't like people, but because I'm kind of like. Well, I could talk to this person, but they got they got enough of their own problems. They got enough. That, of that's problems. that's what you you worry about. It's like, am I, you know? And I think about all the other frontline workers who've been out there the whole time. And I, exactly. I think as teachers, um, we in our community, we've been privileged to to be able to do continue our work from home. That's right. Um. So and so that's part of the reason why you know I feel like. Am I being wrong, you know, and complaining about this? Or is this something that other people have just been living and like, I just got to yeah. accept, you know, that that's where I am. I feel the same way. And, and, and it's like, I don't want to burden people, even just people in our building who are yeah. already hanging on by a thread, spread throat so thin, um, feeling really pushed to the brink. Like, I don't want to burden them with like, oh yeah. And also one of your teachers is really struggling. And so- um, there's gotta be some way to normalize, um, connecting with each other because just like what I'm asking my students to do, I feel like 
um, I feel like we need to be able to model as an adult community, like how do we all approach this as a community in real ways, not just in words, and I don't have answers, um, but maybe that's where we need to go. Um, let's end just with an acknowledgement of uh, Monday's holiday, which is uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, yes. We don't have school. Um, yes. There will probably not be a parade. Am I correct about that? I, I, I think it has been canceled. I think yeah. it has been canceled. There might be some online stuff, I think, or virtual stuff. Yeah, and I know there's some events happening online. Um, we'll definitely gather some things and, and get them out to you all so that you can kind of know what's going on. But yeah, um, it's interesting to reflect on Dr. King's legacy for us uh, right now in this particular vortex. <laughs> yes, yes. But what would you say... Um, what would you say is is sort of the purpose of commemorating Dr. King in this in this moment? You know, I think in this moment, this year in particular, I think it's really critical. And, and I think it goes back to something we've already mentioned. Um, you know, uh, Raphael Warnock, Reverend Warnock is, yep. you know, a pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Right. Go. And if you don't know, that is the church that Dr. King um uh, uh, preached at, yeah. um, in Atlanta. Um, it's a historical, historical oh. place. I know it well because it was where we went to church when I yep. lived in Atlanta. Yep. Um, most times when we get to church, um, so I'd sat there and, and stared at the old stained glass and, and, and I, it's funny to look at it today and see it because I, I would go in there and look at that model of that building. Cause they had, typical black church, a building fund that you never thought you'd see, right? Yeah. But I think it goes back to, you know, Dr. King, I think, never thought he'd see Obama, right? That we would see that, right? He, But I think he hoped and dreamed of it, right? But didn't know what it would come, yeah. right? And there was all that stuff, like Dr. King marched so so Obama could run, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Yep. And, uh, and uh, you know, to, to go through all of that, to have President Trump elected and, and he he runs, his, his big claim to fame is attacking uh, President Obama's citizenship, right? Yep. Which, which again, I think goes back to trying to take things uh, from black people and asserting that the rules don't always count when they clearly count. And denying right. black people um, the, the right to be considered citizens. Right, and, and, to, and to also just deny and, and to, impugned you know the first black president which i think has always been his thing yep. right and then to see us fast forward four years through the trump administration all of that stuff but to see Raphael warnock run a campaign and be attacked for the yeah. same things they attacked dr king for same to thing. be called a socialist bring, right to be bring, called a communist like, decontextualizing to, sermons that he did and saying see See, 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 and, and, America, you know, and so it, it just I think it's important that we commemorate Dr. King. You know, we were joking before. What would he say about all of this? But I think he'd say, keep pushing, period, he'd say, keep pushing, period. keep driving. I'm not one of these people who'd say Dr. King would have been a Republican. I think those people did not pay attention to Dr. King's <laughs> late life because uh, he clearly yeah. wasn't moving in that direction. Well, and also, I think he probably had some concerns with the direction of the Republican party towards, you know, the height of his activism. That's right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, <laughs> given their escalation of Vietnam war um, and, and, and support of the Vietnam war. But yeah. um, I also would argue, um, well, I guess that's Lyndon Baines Johnson, but I'm sure there's other Republicans advocating for it. At that oh, yeah. Time. oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. But um you know, I just, I encourage us to remember Dr. King, to read his words, you know, take a minute, watch a speech. I, I think people like to read his stuff, but I think if you watch him speak, that's where the power, and, yeah. and, that, and that reverberates back to Ebenezer yeah. and Reverend Warnock. And, you know, I think some of the ways that I've learned to carry on and, and come from that, you know, history of just of listening, sitting there at Ebenezer, listening to the sermons, yeah. hearing the word, but also 
hearing clear political callings. And, and I just, I think it's important that we remember Dr. King for all that he was, um, probably the most amazing activist in US history, um, pushing the country in a way with his partner um, yeah. who never got a lot, got to spend a lot of time, but Malcolm X, you know, I think you put yeah. those two together. Yep. Maybe you really had something special. Yeah. Michael Eric Dyson referred to Dr. King as the greatest American there's ever been. And I think it's a really compelling argument. I would still go Harriet Tubman. Um, <laughs> but I think that it, I think there's a compelling case to be made. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for, for me, I mean, I, I can't, I can't speak to it. Whoa, that was weird. Um, I can't speak to it any better than you did. Like the, the things that you just said, I mean, is so like powerful. The only thing I would, I would say is that Dr. King really did um, preach and live an abolitionist manifesto. I may not get there with you. And what we do as aspiring abolitionists and as an aspiring democracy is um, we, and, and also to quote Dr. Uh, Dr. Bettina L. Love, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, we we say that we carry on as if victory is right around the corner, but we also acknowledge that we may never see it. And I think Dr. King really understood that. He was younger than both of us when they took his life, man. And that's uh, it's wild that's when you think about, about it. It's so wild. Um, well, this has been great, and um, I just want you know I just, I want to appreciate you right now because. Um, I think I would have lost my damn mind even more so. You think I'm out of pocket now? Imagine me without your support. <laughs> uh, hey, brother, like without you, I don't know what I'd be doing. I, it would be very different. So I appreciate you, baby. And, and we gonna get there. We, we, we gonna got get there. this. We're gonna get there. We do, we do. Yeah, we um, so if you, uh, if you wanna follow us again, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Two Dope Teachers and Instagram, same handle at Two Dope Teachers. Like us on Facebook, give us a review, and uh, we just want to wish you all um, on this on this day in this moment uh, to stay strong, stay resilient, stay optimistic, stay in touch with what you need and demand what you need, um, and always, always, always in this time of uncertainty, stay dope. Oh. <laughs>